0: Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast, where we discuss the well-being of a Christian business owner and the different facets of growing a business, all from a Christian perspective.
1: Welcome to the True Wealth Podcast. I am your host, Shewaday Me. Thank you very much for joining us once again. I have my good friend and guest here, Brian Hills. Brian Hills is a portfolio manager with Stuart Vests. I have known Brian for uh, maybe just a little over a year now. We met on LinkedIn and we're part of the same organization, Kingdom Advisors, which helps advisors to integrate their faith with their money. And I'm here today to talk with Brian on the topic of BRI, which is also known as Biblical Responsible Investing. Um, There are a few other names for it. You can hear, you may have heard faith based investing, Christian investing, amongst others. So we're going to talk about that for a little. Uh, But first of all, here's my friend Brian. Brian, how are you doing today?
0: I'm doing fantastic. Sean, thanks for having me on your show.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for
0: taking the time. And um, before we get into the
1: show, do you mind telling our listeners a little bit about yourself?
0: Sure. Well, I guess the elevator story would be I was actually born and raised in Iowa in the U.S., uh, moved to Canada in 2014. Uh, The nexus for that was uh, being married to my wife, who is from southwestern Ontario, so in the States, I served as a state trooper, came here and started working as a financial advisor and yeah, morphed through various, I uh, started with the na- international broker dealer, um, then went independent and now, yeah, I have my own practice, uh, steward vest of Huxton Black. So I'm registered through Huxton Black and then have my own practice with them. Um, so yeah, it's been an exciting journey um and biblically responsible investing is a passion of mine and so i'm excited to talk about that with you today
1: yeah uh it's funny when it comes to uh, bri it's not as common on the retail level for a lot of canadians so we want to dive a little bit deeper into that and what that really is um we've heard different terms especially when it comes to investing in recent terms we've heard um, sri we've heard esg um, and now there's BRI, which is Biblical and Responsible Investor. So what's the difference, really?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a few ways, I think, to address that question. Um, the first is that uh, they share some same principles, I guess. So SRI, ESG, um, kind of the over overarching principle would be Certain things that don't want to invest in, investing in the best of that which is remaining, and being an active shareholder. The difference being primarily then, so if you have those three principles that kind of apply across the board, what lens do you look through? Do you look through Mm -hmm. the lens of what's considered socially responsible, something which can change over time? What's considered socially responsible today? Would be different than 20 years ago for example or do you look through it through the lens of scripture which is unchangeable and then through that what things are you looking to not invest in what things are you looking to invest in etc so although some of the processes and steps would be the same ultimately you know one is based on societal norms and the other is based on principles found in scripture
1: Okay, so tell me how, I mean, when it comes to investing, I mean, if for the average investor, is that really possible to say, I, uh, the Bible is my final authority, I, um, I'm i a Christian, and I, 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 I like to use God's word as a guide for everything. So how does that work out? How does that play out when it comes to investing? Is it really possible to have a biblically responsible investments? And what does that yeah. take?
0: Yeah. So I do think that it is possible now Um, that is over the last, call it four or five years, it has changed a lot. And especially here in Canada being accessible to the retail investor. And that being primarily due to the development of exchange traded funds, as well as the advancements in technology, which have made it possible. Um, You know, it was not that long ago that there were some funds in the u.s that were accessible to retail investors but there were no exchange traded funds or etfs and so in canada there just wasn't anything accessible Um, now there are those things which are accessible and by having it being in a fund it and the technology that we have it, it helps it be accessible because if you were to back up and not have that then, you know, you would and not have the technology we have or everything widely available on the internet from companies. You know, it was a very labor-intensive, arduous process to try to delve into, you know, a company's reports and see what their lines of businesses are, where they're directing charitable contributions, et cetera, et cetera, and to do that throughout the portfolio would take really an insurmountable amount of time, perhaps, for some people. Um, so now it, it is becoming more and more accessible. We're still in the, I call it the infant stages here in Canada, but the future looks bright for it, which is quite exciting. So the the short answer, though, is hmm. yes, I do think it's possible.
1: So what would that look like, and how do you go about filtering um, investments that you would consider Biblically responsible investments. How? What's the, what's the criteria? I guess for the selection.
0: Yeah, good question. Uh, maybe I would start by saying what it isn't, and then what it is. Um, so, what it isn't is, it's not seeking to invest only in companies which, for example, quote unquote, are Christian companies. And I put that in quotes because. Companies themselves are not Christians. Humans are. Mm -hmm. But yet it's not saying, okay, you know, this is John's company. John is a solid Christian fellow, and we're investing in his company. It's not that. These are publicly traded companies. You know, many of them have millions upon millions of shareholders. The shareholders own the company, etc. So that then would be, okay, well, is that... You know, is that even possible? No, not with publicly traded companies. The owners are millions of them. What it is, though, is following a three-step process to strive to invest in companies which don't violate principles in scripture, um, which conduct their business well, honestly, with integrity, and then be an active shareholders. So give an example of what that looks like. So there is some exclusionary uh, principles. And examples of things that could be excluded um, is businesses that would seek to profit from gambling or pornography or abortion, et cetera, or that donate to groups that advocate for those things, which are directly contradictory to biblical values. Mm-hmm. And then seeking to say, okay, now, you know, we've, we've taken some companies out of the pool. Now let's seek to invest in those companies, which are the best at what they're doing. And that's not necessarily only looking at the financial statements, but looking at, you know, what industries are they in, how are they engaging, et cetera. And then the other part then is being a engaged shareholder. And that being that there are, you know, as an owner of a company, there are things that an owner can vote on. And Mm -hmm. being engaged to actually look and say, what's, what's being voted on, you know, are there things that we should vote on, you know, differently than what's recommended. And if there are donations that a company makes or, um, things that a company starts doing that you are invested in, you know, letting your voice be heard. And there has been success with that, um, with a few companies, um, from some of the uh, BRI firms in the US. And so that's been great to see. So it's really following that three-step process.
1: So just to make sure I I, I get it. So if I, I, as a portfolio manager, um, you're looking at one, the, sorry, can can you restate that again, just to make sure I got that clear?
0: Yep. So really I think of it as three E's. Exclude, endorse, engage. Mm -hmm. Easy way to remember it. um, Certain, you know, biblical values and things that you're looking at that we exclude companies if they profit from or advocate for. Um, Endorse, meaning invest in companies that don't, that are best in class, that are conducting themselves with integrity, etc. And then engage, being an active shareholder. Um, casting your votes when issues arise that you can vote on in a way that represents your beliefs as well.
1: So essentially looking at companies, um, one, from the financial side of it to make sure they're profitable, uh, to make sure that they have the ability to give um, investors a a decent rate of return depending on where they fall in the class Mm -hmm. of risk. Uh, Also looking at companies who are... um, exclude things the Bible teaches against, pornography, um, gambling, and there's a host of things that the Bible talks about. So ex- excluding those companies who give or donate to those those things that, abortion, for instance. And then there is looking at companies who are actually engaging in making a difference in the world uh, or in the society, uh, the, looking at the big picture doing it in a way that honors God. Does that Sound about right.
0: Yeah, it does. Um, and you know, for your listeners, if you you want to do some research and such, a company that I think really emulates this very well um, is Eventide Invest Asset Management. Eventide Investing in the U.S. You know, their motto is investing that makes the world rejoice. They're very yeah. active in looking for companies, not only saying. Oh well, you know we're not going to invest in these, but we are going to invest in these because of what they are doing as companies and such. Um, they do a really good job at that, in my opinion.
1: Invest in that makes the world rejoice. I, I like that. So. I guess the other question that I'm thinking with this here is you've mentioned Eventide. Um, this is this, some of the criteria you mentioned are some of the criteria they're probably using in picking out investments and um, in building their portfolios. So would, there, would you say, is there a uniform standard to define what BRI is or how it's implemented? Or does that somewhat differ based on, I guess maybe your worldview from a biblical standpoint, because even in the Christian community uh, we have, diversity or divergence of some thoughts so is there a uniform standard or is just or it changes i don't want to say changes because the bible doesn't really change but there are things that we can all agree to that the bible is very clear on and there's some things that are a bit more nuanced a bit more unclear but there are principles that undergird that
0: yeah i understand your question uh, The short answer is there is no set standard, and likewise, there is no set standard in socially responsible investing or ESG investing. There's a lot of latitude. So, there is a word of caution, I think, that comes with that. In you know, just because somebody may say BRI doesn't mean it may adhere to you know, X standard, it could be Y standard. So it's worth spending some time and diving into. I think an advisor can be especially helpful in, in that when your advisor knows you well and can help sort through that. Um, but as far as, you know, the firms that I'm aware of that advertise BRI, um, there is some variance. Um, like you said, within the Christian community, There is differences of opinion on some things, and then there's some things that are, you know, agreed upon by all. And so although, unfortunately, there's no set definition of BRI, um, I think the basic principles, those three steps, are consistent across the board. Really, the differences come in saying, okay, looking at it from a – you could look at it from the negative side or the positive side – um, but choosing, let's look at it through the positive lens and say, okay, now what companies do you choose to invest in? Well, some will invest in companies that others won't, you know, based on those exclusionary screens. Um, but the three steps really underlying it are very similar. Um, so, yeah, it is worth, you know, doing kind of a look under the hood and make sure that it's not just a marketing ploy. You know, we aren't just putting mm-hmm. BRI on something to try to, you know, get the Christian community to jump on board with it and grow it when really it's, it's not really doing anything different.
1: That was actually my next question. Is it possible that using BRI is just a marketing ploy to, um, as long as it says Christian, then um, Christians can feel more confidence in in investing in that. But just like you said, it's, it's bigger than just, uh, than just putting a BRI, Uh, label on it. It's looking under the hood and seeing what's their investment criteria. And the reality though is for most investors, I'm not sure they really even know how to begin to research or to look at what are they actually invested in. And like you rightfully said, I think that's where advisors like myself come in to help us uh, go through the screens uh, and work or or communicate with the portfolio managers to see what ETFs, what stocks or what, what, the holding on their portfolio is. And you rightfully said a few minutes ago, like, that's the active side of we are going to, as a company, we are going to invest in companies that are looking to make a big difference in the world. But then there's also the negative side where we are going to choose and avoid companies that are teach or that uh, promote things that are unbiblical.
0: Yeah. Now, yeah, go ahead. It's- I was going to allude back to the engaged as shareholders um, part of it. Um, And then I can also maybe give an example of how BRI would differ from ESG SRI. Um, But first on the active shareholder side, this was something which through this process I found really interesting. I was talking to a representative from one of the largest providers of services to funds. And he's been in the business a long time. And he said, you know, 20 years ago, it was really rare for a fund company to recall its shares to vote on a vote, a proxy vote or whatever the case may be. And by recalling the shares, that means there's a thing called shareholder lending. They they would lend the shares out and then they would recall them to vote on them. And very rarely did they actually do that. So these large fund companies, if they own, you know, a large number of shares from this company, they actually vote the shares because as an investor, if you own units of the funds, you own units of the funds, the fund, but the fund owns the shares. So the manager of the fund can vote on those shares. So now take it to the current day. Almost every fund is recalling the shares to vote on the various issues that come up on the companies uh to the for the shareholders to vote on so that then for a christian you have to sit and go okay so if the funds i am investing in that i own units of and then those funds own these companies do i really want those fund managers voting for those shares on my behalf because that's what they're doing or do i want Mm -hmm. manager to vote through the same lens that I would. Um, and that, that, that can be a big difference, really. Um, you know, having somebody voting who is in harmony with your beliefs or somebody who's voting, you know, shares that, you know, really looks through the world through a different worldview.
1: Mm-hmm. And there's something and there's something to be said that, um, for the most for most publicly traded companies and we've heard this before they really just care about the shareholders they really should just care about making profits so um if i'm a if i'm a retail investor now you're telling me okay i need to vote i need to invest in line with my biblical worldview i need to invest in a way that does not contradict what scripture is my concern then is is that possible and in a way that i can still generate a decent return because based on even just little conversations I've had with some clients and investors. So like, okay, so I take out all these negative things the Bible preaches against what's left for me to invest in. Am I still going to be able to get a reasonable rate of return on my investments? If that's, if I'm using all the screens you're talking about.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. And probably the number one question that ends up coming up um, so before I answer that question, I would, I think it's beneficial to turn to scripture and be reminded of a few things, um, and this maybe would and will end up being a nexus into you know the biblical basis for Bri. But starting with this, Psalm thirty-seven sixteen, Proverbs fifteen sixteen, etc. Um, I think Proverbs sixteen verse eight as well. They all have the same instruction that it's better to have a little with righteousness than great treasure and trouble we with. Some say better is a little with righteousness than great revenues, um, et cetera, et cetera. But the point of those passages being it's better to have little with righteousness than much with unrighteousness. And I think that's important to keep in mind, and I bring that up not to set the stage to say, okay, and now, you should expect lower returns if you're investing in this manner. Mm -hmm. But simply because if that were the case, that really should still be fine because it would be better to have a little little return than a large return than with righteousness. Now, thankfully, at this point, BRI has not ended up having a lower return result Um, just in a a few resources and you can put these in your show notes um, the altum report was done from it's a company a group in europe Um, they analyzed the s p 500 performance and compared that to the performance of the s p 500 minus companies that contradicted and the performance was actually slightly better Um, especially on a risk-adjusted basis. Um, There's also a white paper done by a professor at Biola University in the U.S., um, and he found the same. And here, I guess domestically in Canada, I just completed the process of forming an index. Um, It's live now, but I don't know yet if it's even on the website. Um, It's a global equity index, so it has companies from Canadian large cap, uh, U.S. large cap, U.S. small mid, emerging markets, international, etc. It's got 300 companies. And if you compare that performance-wise to the S&P 500, uh, the performance has actually been slightly better and with an equivalent or slightly lower uh, volatility. So, so far, the good news is that it doesn't have to result in lower returns. I would say though that if it did then so be it it's still better than you know simply trying to achieve a large right. return um, via investing another way
1: right it's it's one of the things that I've been thinking about really a lot lately too is as believers should our rate of return and our interests or whatever we gain from this investment be its sole determinant or so the sole priority as investors in choosing a rate of return. And I know for many investors that the first thing to look at is rate of return. And as an advisor, I always have to combat that and say, yes, just because an investment performed X in in last three years does not guarantee it will perform, uh, you will get the same performance over the next, over the next five or 10 years. This is, um, investments are never uh, predictive. They're more indicative of where it's been. But, but even with that, uh, the idea that interest or in or return or return on investment should be a primary motivation it's I mean basically just based on this it's unbiblical because just like you said and just like scripture says um, I think honoring God and honoring the, the Word of God should be the first thing we look at but the good news is that just even based on the studies and I'll put this in the show notes because I, I had a chance to take a look at those studies you're talking about my uh, myself is that this investments have performed just as well, or at least in line with what other funds that don't use these screenings. Am I correct in saying that?
0: Yeah, you are. And so like I would tell people who have come to me and I would say, okay, I'm not going to come to you and say, invest in this way because the returns are better. Mm-hmm. But fortunately, I can come to them in good conscience and say, if you invest in this way, it doesn't mean you're going to have to sacrifice returns at this point so um yeah i guess i i say that to say i would i don't hold it out to somebody and say here this is the secret sauce actually to make more money no not that at all but to give the peace of mind that you know we still are achieving a positive return it's been equivalent to the market rates of return um so great be thankful for it
1: So I guess the next, the next question I'm thinking for me is that if I'm thinking as an investor is, is there a large enough pool that sufficiently that I can have a, an investment that um, fulfill this mandate that cuts across the different asset allocation strategies, the different um, risk tolerance levels, uh, um, That's my next question. Is, is there enough of companies who can give me those, the, that diversity in my portfolio?
0: Yes. The short answer is yes. <laughs> you know, if anybody <laughs> wants to delve more into it, um, then I can. Well, in that, in the Altum report, for example, they actually go in and say, you know, out of the five hundred companies in the S and P five hundred, X amount, which is roughly half, we excluded. The other half we included. Um, and if you, there's a CFA uh, study this goes back. I don't know how many years. It talks about diversification and we I guess for lack of a better way of saying it maybe we're spoiled in how easily we can diversify. so but that study would go back and say you know anywhere between 30 and 40 individual stocks spread across different market sectors etc um, you can have a properly diversified portfolio and over that you're maybe over diversifying. And so, if you take that S and P 500, you can say, "Well, yeah, you certainly can." Can you get investments from every industry yet? You can invest in technology. You can. There are companies in healthcare, et cetera, et cetera. So, yes, you can. Um, the index that we just formed has 300 companies in it, for example, um, globally. Um, so, yeah, there is there there isn't an issue with that, um, which is nice. Very thankful for that as well.
1: That is good to hear that as an investor so as believers and there's some that would say is am I are we making too big a deal of this um yeah I hear you and not investing in companies that are preaching against um that that that, that do things the bible speaks against but are we really making too big a deal of it
0: Yeah. Oh, (laughs) wow. This is like the perfect nexus to really dive into the biblical grounds for it. And then I think the inevitable conclusion, at least in my opinion, is no, we're not making too big of a deal of it. It is important. So maybe I would start by first looking at some of the things just generally in scripture that are continually warned against Um, Mm
1: -hmm.
0: a few examples of that uh there's a lot of warnings in scripture about sins against the seventh commandment about um you know the power of the strange woman for example etc etc so sexual sins there's a lot Mm -hmm. of warnings in scripture against drunkenness etc and One of the things, though, that's warned most is the use of money, you know, money being a love, the love of money, not money, but the love of money being the root of all evil. Um, You know, there's a passage that talks about it's seek neither poverty nor riches because riches can be a obviously lead you astray. So just from an overarching principle, that alone we should take and say, okay, this involves money. We need to be especially cautious here or be very deliberate. And then I look and say, okay, how are we supposed to live our lives as Christians? Out of gratitude to God for the salvation he has given us, we're to do everything we do for the honor and glory of God. That's 1 Corinthians 10 verse 31. And it lists whether you eat or drink. You know, those mundane things that we do Mm. on a daily basis, even those things are to be done for god's glory so if those things are then certainly how we manage money ought to be done for his glory and then if mm. you go from there i think we have to ground it in the principle of stewardship and so stewardship i i've taken <laughs> i'm no greek scholar i've taken some greek as i pondered seminary at one point And so, I looked up the Greek word that's often translated as steward, and I might not be saying the pronunciation right now, but it's oikonomos, and literally it means household manager. And if you look through Scripture at the passages where steward is used and such, it's clear that a steward is somebody who manages that which belongs to another. It's not their own things they're managing. It's that which belongs to another. And so in our case as Christians, when we look through scripture, we see the truth that God owns it all. The cattle on a thousand Mm. hills are mine, says the Lord. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So now we have, we are stewards. God owns it all. We're to manage it not as we desire, but how God desires us to manage it. And God desires us to manage it in a way which is holy, you know, not mixing light with darkness, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And so if you take that and look through and say, well, what is holiness? Um, You know, I don't think we have to do that. I think your listeners can, you know, do that and uh, see examples of holiness. Um, You know, an example would be, and Deuteronomy, I think it's 23, verse 18, talks about bringing the wages of uh, a harlot into the house of God, and that's an abomination. Um, so there's lots of passages that then give us direction on holiness. And then if we go in the New Testament and we read about the parable of the talents, et etc., cetera, et cetera, we do then read that, yes, we are called to give account. You know, when Christ comes again, we will be called to give account of our stewardship of that which God entrusted to us. Um, And as it's His money, I think as we look through Scripture, it's plain to see that, yes, we ought to do even this for His glory. And that certainly means then we aren't striving to profit from a company which, you know, manufactures a drug which is used in abortions, and we're trying to profit from that. No. That would be bringing the wages of that into the house of God. So that was a mouthful, but that's in short the biblical basis for it. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning it as well, and then I'll be quiet and let you ask some follow ups that this isn't something which I'm under the false impression or anybody else's that I know that we can do perfectly here on this earth. Mm-hmm. We are sinners all have sinned Um, but that's also not an excuse it's not an excuse to say well shall we sin then that grace may abound abound. (laughs) there you are you're (laughs) (laughs) in passage in romans you know god forbid you know no that's we ought to strive yet as much as possible to then invest our money to manage all of our money um, in a way which honors and glorifies him Um, so is it important yes and we will be called to give account. Thanks for listening to the True Wealth Podcast. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook at True Wealth Pod. You can get in touch by sending an email to podcast at truewealthpodcast.ca or by visiting truewealthpodcast.ca.